I've heard many career coaches use a ranking system for difficulty. Here's how it goes. If you're changing industries, that's one type of pivot. If you're changing jobs or occupations, well, that's another type of pivot. Almost like you have strikes counted against you. If you're moving cities or states at the same time, well, you might as well give up now. The difficulty goes up and these career coaches would have you believe it's impossible. Except it's not. I've talked to career experts and career coaches that will try and even talk you out of it, even though it might be something that you really want to do, which drives me a little bit insane because I honestly believe that a good coach's role is supposed to be to help you achieve things that you didn't know were possible. And that's why we're showing you exactly what the four most common types of career privates look like step by step. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. This is episode three in our four-part series, How to Get Unstuck Without Starting Over. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, go back, do that right now. It's completely worth the time and effort. Don't worry, I'll still be here when you're ready. But if you have listened to them, then you already know that transferable skills and experiences are really, really useful to you. But they also happen completely differently than what you think that they do. It's difficult to imagine how big career changes, big career pivots can actually work without starting over if you've never actually done this yourself. So in this episode, we're revealing the four most common ways that people change careers or make career pivots. What are the types of transitions that we help more people make than any other types? Well, guess what? I am so glad you asked. The industry crossover. So I'm a commercial manager, so it's a completely different industry than I've worked in before. The bridge job. So I just have started a new role. It's allowing me to develop some of the skills that I will need to branch out on my own. I know that this is kind of a shorter term gig, so to speak, knowing that I will be moving on to something on my own, but it is a good gig to have along the way. The same career, but better. I got myself into a position where I am now a part of the production team involved in bringing Wanderlust into Europe and presently into London, into the United Kingdom. The location changer. Having gone through trying to find a job in D.C. as a lawyer in 2013 where there are tons of lawyers I'm looking forward to joining a firm in Fresno, California. Those voices that you heard, those are real people with real stories that defy the career change odds. Now, we got the pleasure of guiding each and every one of them through our career change process. And in this episode, we're going to break down each of these four most common types of career changes, career transitions, career pivots that we see every day, and then show you how each one of these people made their change. 
Well, it started in New York City in television production. So I really cut my teeth in the MTV music television arena. That's Tanya. She made her transition from television production to producing festivals and events in the UK. She did what we call the industry crossover. This is where you go from an industry that you have direct experience in and move into one that you don't. So I was, like I said, a TV producer, but I also did experiential marketing around events and I worked on festivals. And until very recently, I was working as a tour manager for pretty big bands. And like I said, I'd done this for years and years and years. And the overwhelming process throughout every new job that I would take was, I really don't like this. I really don't like something in my job because it's not fulfilling. But it's not necessarily the work itself, although I'm sure there are bits and pieces that drive me nuts. But It's not that particularly. It's a bigger umbrella, and I can't quite put my finger on what the heck it is. But, you know, there's a new job, and it's right in front of me, so I'll go ahead and grab that one anyway. And that's been pretty much my story year over year, you know, the available job and not really diving in deeply into why am I having these thoughts? You know, why is this job career not really fulfilling? So why does this circle keep happening exactly? So my journey started when my husband and I decided to move outside of the United States and come over to the United Kingdom. And I was ecstatic for many reasons. But in terms of my career, I thought this would be a great opportunity to just reinvent myself, look at what I've been doing and start from scratch. Fortunately, after a little bit of a longer ordeal, getting a work visa, either the spouse work visa, I just kind of sat down and said, I refuse to fall into my old ways. I really need to think about what I want to get out of my next position. I'm in a great place to do that right now. And I tried to do that on my own and realized very, very quickly that I was going nowhere fast. The job searches were pretty much leading me. I was very overwhelmed and very scattered throughout my searches, not really knowing where to focus or how to focus. So getting more and more frustrated throughout the entire process. And then, of course, as I'm looking at the calendar, all of a sudden, a week has gone by, two weeks have gone by, and now then a month, and then two months, three months, and I was getting very bummed out, (laughs) to say the least. And I went online, and I think we were talking within the next couple of hours. I called you or emailed you right away, and voila, I was inundated with the happen to your career process. Ultimately, putting in the work and the effort throughout the boot camp, really paying attention to myself and my thoughts and like kind of my gut as well, what worked, what didn't work throughout my career, what I was looking for, what my wants were, what my motivations were, my minimums, my ideals, etc. And just putting this all down on paper, you know, I realized it's not rocket science. At the end of the day, this is me. But what it did for me is it helped to put me into perspective. You know, it helped me to really think about myself in a different light by evaluating like my skills, my beliefs, my needs and my wants. I mean, it was almost like I was able to see myself through a bigger lens. And then in turn, now I was able to properly position myself and focus myself like in this career transition. And that's the key that had been missing this entire time. I didn't know how to position myself. I didn't know how to focus. And I didn't really know what I wanted at the base. So going through everything, coming out of it at the back end, 
with this great, like my career profile and, and it's there and it's what I want, what I need. And then focusing my search on companies based upon that, that shared my belief system that had the values that I was looking for. I targeted Wanderlust and I think it was one of the first companies that came out of my mouth once as soon as I had this great profile and I was like, I want to work for Wanderlust. So yeah, and then I just did everything that you guys basically coached us to do the reach outs, the network, you know, massaging your network to see who knows who and reaching out to them and seeing if you get introductions and being very bold and forward, which is part of what I do in my job. But in terms of a job search, I was very hesitant to do. It's outside your normal conventional operating area. Like, and yeah, that was yeah. the other piece. So it's like, okay, look, you want something this desperately or this badly, then why wouldn't you work outside of your normal operating levels or your normal conventions? What's the worst that they can say? <laughs> you know, But that's better than no answer whatsoever that you wouldn't have gotten in the first place. So I did all of that. And I got into one of the co-founders of the festival. I got directly to him. <laughs> and he in turn then, you know, obviously responded to my email. And then because I'm now in the UK, he shot me through to that arm that deals with all of the branding outside of the United States. So then, of course, then bigger conversations started there with that entity. And it was a little bit of a painful process just because they weren't quite ready to have the deeper conversations, although they did recognize that I would be a good fit. It was one of those things. It's not necessarily what they can do for you right then and there. It's about establishing a relationship and keeping that relationship going so that when there is an opportunity, you're the first person they're going to think of. And Scott, that's exactly what I did. But you know, Scott, at the end of the day, if you want something and you're determined to make a change in your life and in your career, I could not go another day saying, oh, I'm not happy, or I don't like my job, or I wish I didn't have to go to yeah. work today. I was over that. I spent way too much time thinking of the negatives. So there was only one thing for me to do, and that was focus on me and the positive and the future. I couldn't dwell on the past anymore. And it wasn't beneficial for me, nor was it beneficial for my job hunt. So what did Tanya do to make this pivot? Well, let's break it down. First thing she did was clarify what she actually wanted. She worked with our team to do this over a few weeks, but pared down her search to producing events for a company that she felt in tune with the mission of. After she had this clarity, she began building a list of her ideal companies. And then from there, she used LinkedIn and email to be able to reach out to people that were in her network or people that appeared to have a connection to these organizations or that knew somebody who did. And then she leveraged the power of introductions, which by the way, if you want to know how to do this, go to the episode that we called how to connect with anyone or go to happentoyourcareer.com slash 209 and that'll take you right there. This got her into what we call test drive conversations or exploratory conversations to find out whether the company might actually be the right fit. By the way, these conversations also have the added benefit of beginning a relationship with whoever you're talking to inside that organization. So if you decide that you want to work there, it becomes an easier transition at that point. But the top company on her list was Wanderlust. And Tanya learned through her test drive conversations that they 
guess what, had need for an events person. And since she was already in contact with the organization, it was really easy for her to simply continue the conversation and ask how she could be considered for this role. She went through an informal interview process, and both her and Wanderlust felt like it was an amazing fit. So most of the work happened through these introductions and those test drive conversations. And I have the tools to be able to pivot. I mean, it's called a career pivot for a reason, right? And I feel more confident in being able to shift left to right, front to back, whatever, but knowing that I'm going to move forward in a direction that aligns with me. And again, I've never had that before. I've never had that feeling behind me. I went to school for civil engineering, so quite a little bit of ways away from working at a software company that I am today. That's Jason Bullman. He did a transition that we call the bridge job. Now, there's a lot of reasons people want to get a bridge job, but some of the main ones that we see again and again are people that want to start their own thing or start their own business and want a job that's going to help with that or assist with that and make sure that they're set up for the long haul. Other reasons people might get a bridge job is maybe they want to meet some of their financial goals in the short term, but still figuring out what they want to do in the longer term. Either way, bridge job can be really, really effective way to transition for those reasons and many more. Here's the thing to know about bridge jobs, though. We never recommend that You take a bridge job unless it's not just paying the bills and giving you a paycheck and meeting the financial side, but also that in one or more other ways, it's helping you transition. Sometimes that's gaining more skills and more experience. Sometimes that is providing you additional relationships and connections. And sometimes that's many other different reasons too, but it's always got to be multi-purpose, multiple reasons that it's moving you along closer to where you really want to go. But yeah, during college, I did a co-op program. So I would work for a semester, go back to school for a semester, back to work. And through that, I realized that there's a lot of parts of engineering that I liked, but it didn't really touch on all of me. I was finding myself leaving work, going back to campus, getting really involved in campus ministry and getting involved in a fraternity and being really active on campus and realizing that engineering was not all of me. So I kind of explored doing some volunteering after I graduated and I settled on a teaching program um, in Omaha, Nebraska. So I went to Omaha and taught for two years while working on a master's degree and taught middle school math and really enjoyed it, but very quickly learned that teaching was not my thing either. I think during the teaching program that I was a part of, you know, it became very apparent that I love kids. I like to think I did pretty well as a teacher, but I became pretty apparent that I didn't have what it takes to be a teacher full-time for my career. You know, I struggled dealing with the parents. You know, I know I was looking for kind of some getting more into the complexities of kind of problem solving and troubleshooting, whereas, you know, the lesson plans were kind of consistent from the first year to the second year. So just it hit on a number of key pieces that were, were helpful for me, but again, kind of the whole package. Yeah. So there was a lot of frustration. I think I was struggling to try to make things happen and really get the deep analytical pieces of me that I had in engineering. I feel like I kind of lost that in education. Fortunately, you know, coming from teaching position, you know, I kind of had a summer as kind of a buffer to figure out what was next. So I did some reflection and tried to figure out where would be a good fit of my engineering and my education background and found 
technical consulting. So kind of getting into more of a software space, working with clients, but working with something that's still fairly technical. And it seemed to kind of have all the things that I wanted. And once I got into the company, I actually started as a help desk. You know, I think in part coming into the help desk position, I didn't want to be a support analyst for my career. I knew that getting into a more client-facing role was something that I was striving for. So the way that played out is really, I was just always eager to learn. You know, I was on a portion of the software that focused on our multifamily division, but always looking at, well, how does the report writer work? And how does the financial portion work? And let me look at the development piece for you know people that are building up new buildings and things like that. So just kind of a constant hunger going above and beyond what was expected. I think that really helped me kind of give a resume, so to speak, to the consulting team that I wasn't just going to come in and do the status quo that I wanted to keep pushing. So that definitely was helpful in making the transition from the help desk to consulting. You know, I was doing a lot of projects kind of on my own, running really efficiently. The the management team didn't really need to check in on me too much. I was kind of running my little portion of the business pretty well and slowly started to kind of mentoring the younger consultants and taking the portions of the software that I knew training them so that they could take on those portions of the trainings that I was doing and move on to bigger, better things. And, you know, there was an opportunity, one of the managers left the company and pursued another opportunity. And so I had already kind of expressed a desire for taking on more and had proven that I was doing all right in my current role. Yeah. So the leadership team gave me a shot as managing, you know, a group of, of consultants. This looked like on the outside, the ideal position for me, a combination of working with clients, doing very kind of more technical, deep diving things, being a leader, which is always something that has interest me, managing a team and it seemed like everything was going to be good. And then, you know, one day I was on the road traveling to visit a client and kind of looked up and went, what am I doing? This should be everything that I want. It should be hitting all the right things. And for some reason, it just doesn't feel right. And I feel like I struggled with that for a while before really asking for help pursuing a career coach. You know, I kind of sat with it and talked with family and friends and, you know, prayed about it, journaled, you know, tried to figure out what is wrong, but this looks right on paper, but it just doesn't feel right when I wake up in the morning. So what did Jason actually do to make this happen? Well, let's break it down. His first step was Jason figured out that his current job was no longer a great fit and that he wanted to create an experiment to figure out if he should be running his own business or not. By the way, for more on how we teach people to do this, Google happened to your career designing experiments and it'll pop right up. He went in and he had a pretty honest conversation with his boss and he told him that he would likely be leaving in the next six months. And at the same time, he suggested that he work on a project that would benefit the company and him. And by the way, his boss thought this was a great idea and temporarily shifted part of his role onto that project. Was this a little bit of a risk? Yeah, absolutely. And quite frankly, Jason was pretty nervous to have the conversation because he wasn't sure what the outcome was going to be. But he shared that and he had a great relationship leading up to this with the company. So Jason began looking outside the company at the same time for potential jobs that would be really helpful in getting him to his own business. You know, jobs that had more flexibility or jobs that he could learn certain skills that would be helpful in doing his own thing. And 
At the same time, he also continued to have really open conversations with his boss about what he was interested in and where he saw opportunities for those interests to benefit the company at the same time that he was already working at. And he learned that he was actually really enjoying the project that he had been assigned to temporarily and asked his boss if this could be his full-time job. And he was pitching the results that they were getting along the way as really solid evidence to help him create his own position. Okay, fast forward a couple months later, Jason had himself a bridge job that was perfectly designed and literally created with him in mind. So I just have started a new role where I oversee the offerings that our company puts together for how we sell our product to the clients and how the the team delivers that. And kind of as part of the offerings that I'm putting together, big focus on training. So I have a couple of training developers under me that are putting e-learnings, training guides, training our consultants. So I get to kind of run that portion of the business. This is a great role for me currently, but it's allowing me to develop some of the skills that I will need to branch out on my own. I know that this is kind of a shorter term gig, so to speak, knowing that I will be moving on to something on my own, but it's a good gig to have along the way. I decided to go to law school back, I think it was my junior year of college. No one else in my family had gone to law school. And before yeah. all of this, I had actually been thinking, oh, I want to go to med school. And then I took calculus and chemistry at the same time freshman year. And there's nothing quite like that to like really make, make you reconsider your priorities in life. That's Rebecca. You heard a little bit of her story earlier in this series. But she actually was a lawyer, was an attorney, and it was not a great fit after a period of time. And she changed what she wanted. She was looking for a job that lined up with much, much more of what she really, really actually wanted. We call the type of transition she made the same career, but better. And this might mean a lot of different things for, for different people. Sometimes it means more flexibility. Sometimes it means you know having a boss or people that you really thrive in working with that you didn't have before. In other cases, it means a completely different environment. Sometimes it means remote work for people. Sometimes it means the right amount of creativity and autonomy. Either way, every single one of those cases is identifying what you need and then making sure that even if you're in the same occupation, you're in a much, much better aligned organization or company or job or version of that role. Here's what happened for Rebecca. So I ended up going to law school because I liked the idea of how you could use advocacy and arguments to like build a foundation to achieve something for someone. Because I think ultimately at the end of the day, I I wanted to help people. And that's what moved me towards law school. I decided to kind of start talking to a few people of where do people even start? Where do you even go? And I ended up connecting with an office in DC. That's why that part of my life led from the law into politics. And then I did that for a couple of years. There's kind of this catch 22. If you want to go work for Congress, they say, okay, first you need to have experience to go before you go with congressional something and something in politics before you get, you can be considered. But then you say, well, I need the job to get experience so I can be considered. So that's where the politics comes in is when you're trying to say, okay, here's some kind of connection. Here's some kind of connection we have. Here's something you have to your office. 
it is really exciting. It is really interesting because you're dealing with some very big issues and everything's dynamic. Yeah. It's changing all the time. And you work with some very motivated, very intelligent people yeah. and some very diplomatic and great people to work with. But at the same time, it's sometimes working at 50,000 feet, you know, feeling like you're kind of hovering above ground. I think after a while, I was starting to wonder about my impact and connecting with people and wondering, is this the best use of my skills? And I remember people saying, oh, man, but you've got the dream. And <laughs> it kind of raises a red flag if people say you have the dream. And you think, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of truth to that, but something feels off right now, at least for what I think I'm looking for. Sometimes we would start working on an issue and then something else would become more politically important to be working on or focusing on. So jumping around, you know, you have a lot of loose ends. And I thought, okay, what am I accomplishing here? And I started feeling a little bit of that disconnect. And then also uh, there's this sort of, there's a thoroughness impact, but also the, the depth of the issue where when you're working on like a higher level on issues, you don't want to dive too deep into the weeds, but you also need to create something. So I became a very versatile generalist <laughs> uh, looking at different issues across the spectrum. I think when you're running on an inch deep mile wide, yeah, you know, some people thrive in that environment. They see the bigger forces and they enjoy just kind of, you know, staying a little bit in the substance, but mostly on the bigger forces and political forces and yeah, navigating that. But for me, I found that this is all very exciting. I would love to have something where I get to dive deep more into, be more of an expert on, sink my teeth into more. So I started reconsidering my impact and as well as my, ultimately, how did I want my ideal office? How, at least for how I get my rewards out of work, what makes sense? Yeah. It's like having a big policy issue work, or is it more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a client, like that kind of work. And I thought, actually, I think it's the client. I just started piece by piece picking things off. And sometimes too, when you're in that environment, you know that something's not working, but you're not quite sure what. And it sometimes can be hard to hear your voice in that space. And I kind of try to like, just, you know, keep where it just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? Keep going, keep going. You can do it. Just keep focused. Everyone goes and runs into issues like this. And then eventually something starts to get and you say, you know, maybe something is off. I would also say during that time, because people are, are nervous and they project that nervousness onto you. And in addition to your own like insecurities or, you know, trying to deal with, Oh my gosh, where is this go? am I, am I able to do this? Did I make the right decision? Oh my goodness. Ah! Ah! Yeah. I would definitely, you know, the negative voices come and something I also, that was helpful for me during the, coaching experience was it's also very important to give yourself some grace, show yourself some grace. And I would totally recommend Elizabeth Gilbert. Love her. She has her book, Big Magic. And yeah. when Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about artists who put so much pressure on themselves to try to create their whole career off of their art, that it kills their creative muscle. I, that resonated with me so deeply. I thought, oh my gosh, I feel such similar pressure with finding the job. Where's your career trajectory going? Like finding, proving success. This is about finding what is my best fit for my skills. 
this is about finding the next best step in my career for me to be successful where the average person might put in 100% and get 100% back, but maybe where I put in 100% and I get 150 to 200% back because I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay, so what did Rebecca actually do to make this happen? Well, we initially helped her define what she really wanted before just jumping in the job search, which by the way, you might be noticing a pattern here. We believe pretty strongly that that's a key part in doing that upfront work to really clarify what you want because guess what? It helps you focus your job search when you get to the job search part and makes it much more effective. Yeah. Not a surprise, but still most people don't do it or they don't get to the deep enough level to actually make a difference as they get into that next role. Okay. But she did a great job going through that process, and she had actually anticipated that she wouldn't want to continue to practice law in the way that she had been. But we realized that many of the things that she wanted were really important to her could actually be achieved by making a location and a company change. Pretty cool, right? Okay, so she began both having conversations actively with people in the area on the West Coast, actually out in California, that she wanted to be in. She also, at the same time, began finding organizations that had a need for her skill set and the experiences. And then she made a list. She began reaching out to and at the same time applying for those organizations, at least the ones that had open positions. And a lot of this ended up taking place on the phone. A lot of that reach out, a lot of the the other pieces took place on the phone because she couldn't simply just go to coffee with people in the same town. And since It was very focused on the location and the organizations that she already knew she was interested in. This combination of efforts began leading her to conversations and interviews relatively quickly. And because it was pared down to the small group of organizations, when she got the job offer, she already knew it would be a fit. So after I take the bar, I'm looking forward to joining a firm in Fresno, California where I will be doing, essentially doing litigation and using all of those tools and things that I learned in law school and putting them to good use. So I'm a commercial manager. Um, I've just started working for a great company. It's actually a radio station here in Australia. Louise is a Brit who relocated to Australia and now she has a job she loves. But before, honestly, it wasn't that great. For even a few years, in fact. And I mean, sure, she's had a ton of success in her career. Now, the only problem with that was it wasn't necessarily the success that she wanted. So she changed jobs and then she did it again. And it turns out it didn't have the impact that she wanted to. And we'll we'll tell you all about that. But let's go way back for just a minute. (laughs) So I started out and it's quite a sad story, really, when somebody asks you what you want to be when you're when you're little. And I don't actually know why, but I said I wanted to be an accountant. So I kind of, I did, uh, you know, business studies at university, yeah. went through, and I've had a very linear career path. And there's probably wasn't a huge amount of thought into my path. And I mean that in terms of, I was just in that traditional, you get a job, you work hard, you get promotion, you move up, you do a slightly different job. And that's kind of what I've done. So I started off um, studying SEMA, so Chartered Management Accountants. And I just moved through roles of, you know, with job descriptions of management accountant, financial accountant. And yeah, I just did that 
every move was a was a promotion and the chance to do new skills. But over the last 15 years or so, I've pretty much been in the same career. I've moved from having to actually make sure the P&L is okay or looking at balance sheets. I hate that. That's not where my my motivation lies. I think looking back, I just knew that there was parts of my job that really frustrated me. There's probably no specific moment and it's probably maybe only over the last three to four years that I've really thought about why do I get frustrated or what's not motivating me? And then it's kind of, I just don't like that day to day because the situation may change, the industry may change, but what you're actually doing doesn't change. So for me, I just got really bored. So it was right. Okay. This is boring me. It's not happening for me let's just go and do it somewhere else. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, it's going to be completely different in a new, in a new business. I put yeah. so much weight on my career. It kind of defined me in a way. Uh-huh. And I think some of that might be because of my you know, upbringing and the fact that I'm the only one to have done this thing. So me, you know, nobody else has made me feel this way, but I've put it on me, you know, that I had to be great at this. I had to know what I was doing. You know, I had to constantly, you know, progress um, and that I would just be this one that had it all sorted. And this was the first time that I went, oh, I don't actually like this. And I don't know if I want to be doing this anymore. How did you think about that once you started to realize that, hey, this definition of myself is causing some less than desirable pieces? <laughs> Yeah, there's probably two things to it. One is, you know, you just tell yourself, suck it up. You know, you kind of just, (laughs) you just, you know, you're in a really good position compared to other people. You know, your salary is great. You're working for big name companies. You've had progression. You know, when you go and speak to people, it's taken me a long time to be proud of my achievements and be able to sell them to people rather than underplaying them. So it kind of like, oh, just what are you complaining about? You know, this is just, you've got it all. Don't just get over it. It just must be a a phase that you're going through. And then the other side of that is I just really did not know what another option was or what, what I wanted. So that was one of the hardest things. So even from this role, I moved again to another company and did almost exactly the same role. Yeah. I, I still went through that. It must be the company. It's the company that's making me feel this way, not the actual role. I just did not know what else to do. So I actually took a, I think I had a few conversations or I got in touch um, and discussed working on career change bootcamp. And then I got a little bit of the cold feet and I backed off (laughs) and uh, I went on holiday. And then just the thought of actually going back to work after that holiday, I was like, I can't do it. I don't, I've only been away for two weeks, but this, no, I really need to be serious about this now and do something about this. And that's when I finally thought, right, I'm committed. I'm going to get some help. And that's when I signed up for Career Change Bootcamp. What allowed you to make the most headway on this, aside from some of the realizations that, uh, that you had? Because now you're in this new role and it didn't happen by magic. It was, it was a <laughs> bunch of hard work. You and I, before we hit the record button too, said... <laughs> Hey, when you're in the moment, it really just feels like a lot of hard work in some ways, right? It was the realization that I don't have to go from a bad situation to the perfect situation straight away. Mm. I just wasn't in that place, you know, going back to my mental and emotional state. 
So I did go and I spoke to, you know, 10 or 20 people in the areas I thought I wanted to do in the companies I wanted to work with. I was, I was doing all of that. So that was really, really beneficial for me, but it wasn't getting me to, into a good place. My brain could not cope with the, the thought process of, I needed to get out of my mental state of where I was at the moment. I needed to get out of a company that, and a role that wasn't making me fulfilled and was perpetuating this negative vibe. So what did Louise actually do that was so vital to her pivot? Well, I broke down the others for you step by step, but I want to let Louise summarize this for you. That was where the planning of, okay, so what's really important to you really came into place. So for me, um, there was a couple of um, key buckets. So when you look at, you know, culture of a company, location of a company, whether it's a different type of industry, whether, you know, flexibility plays a part. And I had conversations with people who we were started talking about where I might want to go. And there was one lady who asked me to create this five or six page deck that would explain who I am, what I want very uh, succinctly, but also in the most effective, strong way. Yeah. And all, all these things really help get towards, you know, I was applying for jobs and I was going for some interviews and I was in the interview and it all helped me to sell myself better in that interview, but it also helped me to recognize, oh, I don't think I want to work here. You know, I'm going to be moving again to a company where it might not be the right fit for me. And so at the end of last year, so I've only been in my current role for just under three months now the end of last year, this opportunity came up and it kind of excited me from a company perspective. As I said, being a radio station, it's got that different vibe. And so I've got myself into a situation now where I've probably ticked off five of my main things, my inboxes of what a company location, the culture needs to be for me. So the culture and the radio station is amazing. Everybody's really friendly. It sounds so small, but I was in the kitchen making myself a cup of tea and people were coming up and introducing themselves to me saying, welcome, we haven't seen you before. Whereas in past companies, I've been in a situation where people were just walking past each other without smiling. Oh, straight, <laughs> straight on by. Remember at the beginning of this episode, I was telling you how I've heard many career coaches say things like, well, you're changing occupations and industries at the same time, and that's going to be impossible. Well, I call bullshit on that. Tanya changed countries and industries at the same time. Rebecca changed locations and industries. Jason ended up creating his own job and now has a startup working with some partners on top of it now. Don't ever let someone tell you something is impossible an expert or career coach or otherwise. I've seen so many people who get told something can't happen by experts and then they go and make it happen. But you want to know the really crazy thing? All the stories that you heard were from several years back when we worked with them. But if we fast forward to the present day, Jason went on to discover that he actually didn't want to do his own thing, at least not on his own, and that he actually enjoyed his bridge job far more than running a solo business on his own. 
Tanya's role at Wanderlust was awesome for a while. And then some circumstances changed and it was no longer the dream job. But having made this intentional career change the first time around, well, it made it super easy for her to transition a second time. And this time to a role in a communications company that was even more aligned with her ideals. All of these people, they got to learn that it's okay that what they had intended actually turned out differently than what they thought. And actually, it turned out better, better than they ever could have imagined. But none of them would have discovered any of that if they'd stayed stuck and never made that first move. That first really intentional career change, that pivot that paved the way to an even better future. And guess what? That's what our next and last episode in this series is about. We'll cover what really actually makes you stuck and what to do about it. I'll see you then right here on Happen to Your Career. Until then, I am out. Adios.